Welcome to Mojo for the Modern Man. This is your host, Ken Mossman, and today I am enthusiastic and delighted to be joined by Coach Michael Taylor. And a word or two about Michael. He is the author of uh, nine or ten books. He's obviously a coach. He's also a keynote speaker and, uh, as you'll soon see, a delight to be in conversation with. In this first half of our conversation, Michael shares his personal story of pain, of healing, of awakening, and discovering his connection to the divine, as he puts it, to divine intelligence. Michael also shares the importance of intimacy and also the challenges and value and equal importance of learning to ask for help. There's a lot to this one. It, it is a good one. And uh, just a quick reminder before we jump in here, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. And with that, let's dive into this conversation with Coach Michael Taylor. Enjoy. Welcome to Mojo for the Modern Man, Michael Taylor. It's good to have you here. Oh, man, it is an absolute pleasure. Just the title alone intrigued me. Mojo for the modern man. I love that. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks so much. Um, and it's an honor, by the way, to, to I've been I've been watching you, you and your work for years. So it's it's just a delight to finally be in conversation with you. Yeah, it's always so it's, nice to connect with like-minded men. Yeah, it feels like this has been a, in a strange sort of way, it feels like this has been a, a long time coming. So let's start here. What was it like growing up in your part of the world? Well, I was born in the inner city projects of Corpus Christi, Texas, to a single mom with six kids. And we were basically the poster children for poverty back in the 60s. But despite that, my mom instilled in me at a very early age that if I wanted something badly enough, there was no one or no thing that can keep me from accomplishing it except myself. And it was that simple lesson that allowed me to far exceed what society says a young black male with only an 11th grade education could accomplish. And so using that as my platform, if you will, knowing that I had the capacity to do anything I set my mind to, I just decided that I was going to be successful. <laughs> I just made a decision. And interestingly enough, when I was in the 11th grade, I went to this seminar and this guy convinced me that I could get rich selling vacuum cleaners. And I decided I would drop out of high school to get rich selling vacuum cleaners. Now, obviously that was a very poor choice. <laughs> but uh, fortunately for me, um, I ended up never selling a single vacuum, by the way. But I did secure a job with this building supply center. And I worked extremely hard and climbed the corporate ladder pretty quickly. And at the age of 23, I was living the American dream. I had the house, the wife, the 2.5 kids and all of that. And by society standards, I had succeeded. And within a... The, 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 the key here being by, by society's society standards. By society's standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so here I am living the American dream. But within about a six-year time frame, that dream turned into a nightmare. As I went through a divorce, a bankruptcy, a foreclosure, a deep, deep state of depression. And I was actually homeless for two years living out of my car. Wow. And as a result of that experience, I received a miracle. I was sitting up late one night because I was too depressed to sleep. And I was sitting at the edge of my bed looking across the room at my bookshelf when I happened to notice that every book on my bookshelf 
had something to do with getting rich and making money. And as I looked at those books, this question just popped in my head. Michael, what if you took all the energy and effort you've used in trying to get rich and simply figure out how to be happy? Wow. And as simplistic as that question sounds, it literally changed and saved my life in an instant. Wow. All of a sudden, my depression lifted and I had this amazing clarity that I was going to be able to rebuild my life. Well, your point that I want to cut in here too, because you're pointing to something that's really important. Um, and that is that, you know, if you look at part of the part part of the, the part of the cultural uh, uh, agreement, like the path to being a responsible man, to being uh, to being even to being happy as a man, you know, uh, has to go through the you know the, the 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 land of of financial success first and 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 and, and I, I love that that question came to you i mean you said before it was like your soul was speaking to you that 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 is you you, you described it as simplistic and i would say wow you know that that is wildly nuanced and cool <laughs> not so simplistic <laughs> But carry on, man. Carry on. Just wanted to highlight that. That's a big deal. And so, you know, when I asked myself that question and I started reflecting and I realized that, you know, I had had all the stuff, Mm. but I had forgotten what it was like to feel happy. I Mm -hmm. mean, really feel happy. And so that question put me on what I'll call my journey of transformation. And during that journey, you know, I started reading self-help books and I I went to therapy and started dealing with some stuff. And another question popped up. What does it mean to be a man? Because I had done everything I thought a man was supposed to do to be happy. I was absolutely miserable and I wanted to figure out why. And that's when I began asking those deeper questions about masculinity And as a result of my own journey, I began writing and sharing the lessons I learned as a man with other men to support and empower them to embrace what I'll call a new paradigm of masculinity. So there you go. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So what are, so there's a, there's a few different pieces I want to ask you specifically about. And one of them was, you know, this, 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 this piece that your mother had shared, Uh um, you know, what was it that she did or what was it that she said, you know, or modeled that 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 really had that lesson stick for you? Again, we're the poster children for poverty back in the 60s, struggled with poverty. But as I reflect back over my life, and trust me, I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. I cannot remember a single time that I ever heard my mom complain about our situation. Mm, mm. I never heard my mom say anything like, you know, the white man is holding us back or whatever conversations people in poverty may have. My mom always found a way. She always found a way. And there was something in her that if there's a resiliency gene, (laughs) she passed it on to me. Because during those dark periods of my life, I had her to fall back on to realize that, you know, no matter how bad things got with her, she figured out how to fix it. 
And I was able to do the same as I went through all the stuff that I just mentioned. So she just instilled in me this, this, this optimism, this idea that I was 100% responsible for my life turning out the way that I wanted to, and no one else could stop me if I wanted to do something. Nice. Nice. And what were some of the questions that, aside from what, is, what, is, what does it mean to be a man, what were some of the questions that you found yourself uh, asking after that, you know, that, that moment of epiphany? Well, at that time, I was an atheist. And so one of the questions that popped up during that process was, is there a God? Because I didn't believe in such a thing. It just, to me, was my upbringing and the, the earlier experiences with church were so negative that I was completely closed to that idea. So that was probably the biggest question. And through this process, I came to my own understanding and connection to a power greater than myself, mm -hmm. which, is the, which is now the driving force of everything that I do. Mm. And what else? What, what, what were some of the other questions? Some of the other questions. Um, in my book, A New Conversation with Men, I came up with what I call the five illusions of manhood. And the first illusion of manhood is to be a man, you must be non-emotional and disconnected. You are speaking my language here. Keep going. <laughs> so, that question, which mm. was, how do I get in touch with how I feel? Mm -hmm. Now, as mentioned, I was brought up in some pretty, not just the poverty, but from age six to 13, I was actually separated from my mom. I had to go live with my grandmother um, because I had a sister that became extremely ill. So my mom took me to live with my grandmother, who... My father, I didn't even know because he had left when I was like three. Mm -hmm. So there were some daddy issues there. But this grandmother that I went to live with was literally the grandmother from hell. And um, she didn't like me. And that would be an understatement because whenever she would say anything negative about my mom, I would defend my mom. Yeah. And my grandmother didn't like that. But anyway, I was in this really traumatic situation for about seven years. And I just, as a result of that trauma, if you will, I completely disconnected from my emotions. Yeah, yeah. I completely shut down. Um, <laughs> the biggest impact was my mom taking me to live with my grandmother, which set up what the experts would call abandonment issues. Right. Uh, that fear of uh not being loved. And so all that was triggered as a result of that experience. And so that to come back to the question was the question to me was, how do I reconnect to my emotions? How do I learn to feel again? And so as mentioned through this process, uh, going to therapy was an introduction to help me get in touch with my emotions. Uh, the most impactful thing that I did was the work of John Bradshaw. Um, who was a therapist who had a process called inner child work, mm -hmm. which literally saved and healed me. Uh, it was just the most impactful thing that I'd ever done in healing that trauma from those seven years that I mentioned. So those were the, the, 
the, the primary questions I began asking, first of all, was there God? Secondly, how do I reconnect with my emotions as a man? And and I'm curious because what was it when you look at asking that that question, the how do I reconnect with my emotions as a man? Um the, it, it's, it's interesting because there's an assumption in the question that, that says, oh, this is an important thing for me to do, you know, to learn to feel again. And, 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 and as you look at that, what, you know, what do you, cause I could argue that, the, the, yeah, this is a, another example of your soul speaking to you saying, saying, Michael, it's kind of important that you learn to feel again. <laughs> where, what's your sense of, of, of where, you know, what, what actually had you ask that question? Well, I'm a firm believer in grace. Mm. And when I say grace, I recognize that there is a power greater than myself. Yeah. Um, I choose to call this power divine intelligence. Um, divine intelligence in me began the process of waking up in me my unique gifts and talents. So as I look back over my life and all the things that I went through, what I have come to understand is there was an awakening. And the universe, divine intelligence, however you want to call it, has a unique way of getting our attention when we aren't doing what we were put on the planet to do. So I am an irrepressible optimist. And what I have come to know and believe is that my divorce, first and foremost, was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me for the first time to stop looking outside of myself. Mm. It challenged me for the first time be to begin what I'll call that inner journey, that inner journey of awareness, that inner journey of self-introspection. Um, because if not for that divorce, you know, I would have still been on that societal roller coaster doing what society said I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I was in a marriage that I wasn't really happy. Uh, I got married for all the wrong reasons uh, to climb the corporate ladder, to look responsible, blah, 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 blah. But again, divine intelligence says, look, man, <laughs> you're on the wrong path. I'm sorry. This might hurt just a little, but trust me. It's going to be for your benefit. So just hold on. And so, again, that my divorce was my wake up call that awakened to me. I never dreamed of being a writer. Again, I was a high school dropout. I, and you've written just for our listeners, you've written how many books now? Nine. Nine. OK, good. Carry on. <laughs> so, so I, I never dreamed of being a writer. I never dreamed of being a speaker. Um, but as a result of my divorce and the journey that I've been on, I, I uncovered these gifts. And I believe that every adversity brings us a gift and a lesson if we're willing to look deeply enough. Mm. And so for me, fortunately, I was willing to look deeply enough to figure out what was driving everything in my life. And I came to this understanding that divine intelligence has been knocking on the door saying, look. You were put on this planet to do bigger things. You're not paying attention. So I got to take drastic measures to get you back on track. And that was my divorce. I've heard so many different stories, you know, my own, my own included, you know, and what I know was that the, you know, every, every man who's paying attention, that is key or is willing to pay attention. Every person who's willing to pay attention 
um, you know, gets these wake-up calls. And the, of course, the sooner one is willing to respond to the wake-up call, you know, to do the inner work, the, dare I say, um, the, the, the less painful, the less necessary it is for the, the universe, the divine intelligence, whatever you want to call it, uh, the the, le- the the less likely it is that you're going to get whacked between the eyes with a two by four down the road, and <laughs> you know in your case it was a divorce. I know that in my case it was, um, it was a year in which I uh, was the victim of a, a hit and run accident, uh, rear-ended at a traffic light of all things, ended up in a in a battle with a local park service. Uh, had had pneumonia. I remember sitting on the on the bathroom floor saying, "Either take me or or let me die," because this just is not working for me. Um, thankfully, you know, uh, the, the other one happened, and uh, yeah. So what? You know, where would you point uh, a man who is? you know, clinging on by his fingernails, you know, but, and, the, and, and, and that universe of divine intelligence is knocking on his door. Where would you point him to start paying attention? Well, first, I think the three most difficult words for any man to say is I need help. Yep. So the first thing we have to do is be willing to acknowledge that we need support. We need help. And for most men, that is the most difficult thing for us to do. Why? Because we live in a culture and a society that has conditioned men to believe that we're supposed to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, that the only thing we're responsible for is to provide, protect, and procreate. What society forgot to teach us as men to do is to connect. Mm -hmm. And what men really long for is connection. And yet most of us don't know how to get there. You cannot be relational if you're unwilling to be emotional. Mm -hmm. That's a great way of putting it. Great way of putting it. Say that again. You cannot say it again. I love the way you said it. You cannot be relational if you're unwilling to be emotional. Mm. As men, most of us process everything from the neck up. We're trying to figure it all out in our heads, but yet it is in our hearts where the true connection comes from. And so for men, it's important that we get courageous enough to go within. You know, they say the the longest journey we'll ever make is that 12 inches from our head to our hearts or however it goes. Depending on how tall you are, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, but, But that's where we as men have to be willing to go. We have to go to our hearts. We have to be willing to connect to how we feel which is so difficult for men because of the current paradigm of masculinity that says men aren't supposed to be emotional. See, that's the biggest crack of BS that men have bought into. You know, we hear things like um, intuition as an example. I, I, I trust my intuition more than I trust my rational mind because my right. heart tells me where I need to go. But we hear the term women's intuition as though women only have intuition. <laughs> Men are just as intuitive as women. We've just been conditioned not to pay attention to our intuition. So I believe, again, every man simply must be willing to say, I need help. 
and then find support to, to surround themselves with like-minded men who can support them through the introduction to self, the introduction to who they really are, the authentic man, not that mask that we hide behind. And that's why I'm such a huge proponent of men's groups and men's work. Yeah, I, there's, there's there's another piece that, that that I'd love to have you underline because there's um, there uh, you know obviously in this conversation as you and I are speaking, uh, you're preaching to the choir here in terms of the importance of men's work, and there's a way in which men I think will often allow themselves to go to the women in their lives. Now this isn't true across the board, so don't take sure. this as a and this is this is a generalization. I know, and I just want to name that 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 it's okay to go to the women in their lives and and ask you know and ask for some some level of help. And the, uh, uh, I I can't say enough about the importance of breaking down the cultural barrier that stands in the way of reaching out to a men's group to another man, to a trusted agent that walks around in the skin of a man and just be able to say, to just be able to say, Hey, will you help me? Hey, here's what's going on. Hey, can I have a moment of your time and not talk for a heart to heart conversation? But see, here's, here's the real challenge. Men have this incredible fear Yes. Of create of creating intimacy, intimacy with a man because we live in such a homophobic society that men are afraid to get that vulnerable with another man out of fear of being called gay. See, so if we aren't willing to open our hearts and connect emotionally, create that intimacy that John Bradshaw said something that I really loved in one of his books. He said, the key to emotional healing is creating an interpersonal bridge with another human being. Mm -hmm. The only way to create that bridge is to open your heart, to be able to speak from that place, not your head. And so when you start creating intimacy, that's the process of opening your heart and allowing yourself to be vulnerable, which terrifies most men. And that's why men are more comfortable in a lot of cases talking to women. Yep. Because they know women can go to that feeling place very easily. Men, on the other hand, ooh, that's a big no-no. Don't want to be sharing that vulnerability as a man because I'm supposed to be tough. And that's what's killing us, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you point that out because there that 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 is that is absolutely a big piece of of what is killing us. And we know, you know, that the, the, the statistics are out there just in, ter in terms of loneliness, in terms of suicide, uh, in terms of illness, et cetera. So there's so many expressions sure. of this and, you know, what, what continues to fascinate me, not in a good way is that, you know, there are, there are uh, a, a, a man unwilling to, uh, be perceived or, or locked into that perspective that that this that that opening oneself up this way is an act of weakness will go to his grave having not allowed himself the courage to connect 
Thank you so much for joining me here on Mojo for the Modern Man. And my guest, of course, Coach Michael Taylor, will be back with part two in just another seven days, in which Michael picks up the conversation with a deep plunge into anger, men in anger, uh, men learning to feel and express emotions openly and honestly, and a whole lot more. Check out Michael's contact information in the show notes. And of course, you can reach out to me through my website, Cirrus, as in the cloud, C-I-R-R-U-S, Leadership. Dot com. Just a reminder, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. And with that, be well, make it a great day and a great week. Talk to you soon.